Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Isn't it good to be back together? It's so nice. There's such a beautiful atmosphere here tonight. And there has been all day. This place has just been buzzing all day because as soon as the 10.30 service was over, people were packing up chairs for Christmas rehearsal and putting them back together again for this and then it's going to be after party and it's so beautiful seeing all these things happening. And so tonight as we gather together, um, wherever you are on your journey of faith, I believe God wants to talk to you tonight. He wants to speak because he's the only one who really understands you and the call that you have on, our, on your life. And everyone has a call on their life. So I'd like us to pray first. And But when we pray, you know, I think that sometimes when we've, with COVID and with all the restrictions and lockdowns, it makes the world go very inward focused. And I believe God's asking us to become more outward focused. So as we pray, I'm going to pray for you, but I invite you just in your hearts and minds to pray for the person sitting on your left and your right, the person sitting behind you or in front of you, that they would be blessed tonight, that something amazing would happen in their hearts and their minds tonight, just as we hear what God is saying to us through his word. So let's pray. Father, thank you that we can gather together. And thank you for the privilege of knowing you. And thank you for the privilege of Jesus, his birth, his death, his resurrection. Thank you, Father, that as we gather, we have the ability to hear you because you created us like that. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us will be blessed as we hear you tonight. And we pray for the people on our right and our left and behind us and in front of us, Lord. May they have a divine encounter with you tonight. May they hear your spirit speaking deep into their being. Know that you love people with an everlasting love. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Alice, for reading that story to us. And what we see is um, this story of the wise men or the magi, as they are known as well, who were people from probably Babylon who travelled to see the newborn king. Now, that trip that they took is about three to four months, historians work out, three to four months. That's a long journey. Where would it take you three or four months? It takes you less to get to the moon. So we can't relate to what it means to pack up. And actually, you can imagine going on a three to four month holiday, but actually be walking every day for three to four months is a long way. Why did God choose that? Why did God choose these guys who were, who were three to four months journey away? Why didn't he choose the next door neighbour? Why isn't it the innkeeper who woke up in the middle of the night and saw the star and went, what? What's happening? The king is being born in my stable, but it wasn't him. It may have happened to him. I don't know. It's not recorded. But these guys travelled a long, long way to get there. They had to go on this very, very long journey. And they, if you think about this, it was a three- to four-month trip and they had to go back. Basically, this one trip took nearly the entire year of their lives. And they went on it with expensive, lavish gifts really not knowing exactly where they were even going to end up. It's a fascinating story. So what is it about that? I think that God is saying to us that there is a need in each one of us as human beings to go on a journey to seek, to seek and to search and to find and to explore. There's something in all of us that loves that. If you're looking at Christmas presents for kids at the moment, one thing you might be considering is Lego. And if you're considering Lego... What you will love about Lego on Christmas Day is actually following the instructions and putting it all together. In fact, 
once it's all together, you don't seem to play with it as much as when you're actually putting it together. There's something about putting it together that is far more exciting than just say you could buy a pirate ship or you could buy a Lego pirate ship. And it makes a big difference. If you like bushwalking, part of the bushwalking is to explore. If you like cooking, part of the joy of cooking is to experiment with different things and try different things. But there's nothing in us that says, I just want to cook the same thing every night for the rest of my life. You like to explore and try new things. Every Basically, a lot of our recreation is things that we like to explore. If you like to dance, you like to try new things. Even if you like to watch Netflix, you still explore. Spend ages doing that. Has anyone done that on that remote over and over again? You go, I'm too tired. Just going to go to bed. And because you kept exploring once, back in the old days when I was a child, you turned on the television. You just watched what came on. And you didn't have a choice. It was either that or you don't turn the television on. Now there's so much choice that sometimes we look and say there's nothing on because we want to explore all the time. And Jesus understood this about us in Luke 11, 9 to 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who no- and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's also written like this, ask and keep on asking, not seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. Jesus is not surprised that we have to go on a journey and we have to be persistent. In fact, he is saying be persistent because something happens in the journey. There is some need of process that happens in us when we when we have to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Have you ever asked God for something and he didn't answer it instantaneously? Has anyone ever had that experience? Did you like it? No. Have you ever asked for wisdom in seeking and seeking and you haven't got it straight away? Or you've knocked on a door and they're just not opening and you can be led to think God doesn't love me or he's not hearing my prayers or I've done something wrong and he he doesn't want to respond. And yet what Jesus is saying is keep asking. Just keep asking, keep seeking and keep knocking. And he even encourages us with this. He's saying, using this this simple question. So if you're a dad and your boy comes up and he says, can I have a fish? Do you say yes and then go and get him a venomous snake? You wouldn't do that, I hope. Or if he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? So he's saying if you wouldn't do that and you're not perfect, it says evil, you're evil, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What he's saying is, God wants to give you good things. You give up because you think he's given up on you. But there is something that happens in the process that is incredibly important to you. You actually need the process as well as the end result. When I was in year seven, I had a pen friend in France called Sylvie and we started writing. And a couple of years after that, my family went overseas. And when I was 13, I met her and her family in a little village in France. Many years later... We were going back over there and we were going to meet her with our kids. And so um, we arrived in France and we were going to just see her briefly and then go off on a little holiday together and then go off back and have a holiday with her. When we got there, we realised we packed way, way too much luggage so we had to go and see her because we couldn't fit it all in the car and the children. We had to decide which one. We decided children and we took the luggage to Sylvie's place and we left it there and we went on our trip. Now this was the days 
before we had smartphones and the internet. Does anyone remember those days? So <laughs> I don't know how we did that, how we planned that trip. It was three months and it was planned all without the internet. So somehow we did that and I don't know that I could do it anymore. But anyway, we got there and our hire car didn't take everything. So we left our luggage at Sylvie's. We went on the holiday and we're driving back from Germany to the north of France where she lived and I'd lost my little notebook with her address and phone number in. And I could not remember the name of the village that she lived in. All our luggage is there and she's waiting for us to come back to have a holiday with her. I thought, this is scary. So the night's going on and on. We've searched the car, we pulled everything apart. I don't, I don't know where it was. We never found it. And so <laughs> I'm sitting there praying, please, God, help me. What, what am I going to do? And then I remembered the name of the village she grew up in in the north of France because I wrote letters in those days because she didn't send emails and I wrote letters to us. I remembered the name of this little village and I'm talking about a little dot village, okay. I'm not talking about Paris on the map. There it is. It's like searching the map to try to find where this little dot village is. And then we found the little dot village. So we drove there. We got there fairly late at night but there was one shop still open and so I went in and asked them, did they know this family? And they did. It was her parents, sorry, not her, it was her parents. So I had to go to the parents' place. They hadn't seen me for probably 25 years. So I had to explain who I was and that I was lost. And we found Sylvie and she lived in another village and she came and collected us and it was all good and we got our luggage back and we had a really lovely holiday with her. But that was a journey. Now, the reason I remember that journey, you know, if we hadn't had this situation happen where I had to keep my eyes on this destination and be determined that we would get our family there, I wouldn't be telling you the story tonight. In fact, I probably wouldn't even remember that trip at all. We would just have driven there. But something happened on that journey. I had to really think and I had to pray and I had to look for wisdom. Some of the things that happened was I had to go back to my past to remember things. And I believe that as I, as I was praying about this, that God is saying to some of you tonight, life has become very, very complicated. But there were some things that God spoke to you as a child that were so simple about his love and his faithfulness towards you. And you just need to go back to that. The other thing is, I believe God is saying, is that on the journey that you are on, he will give you clues along the way and they're all hidden in the Bible. They're all hidden in God's word. And when you get it out every day, you, each one of you is on a journey. Each one of you is on a process. And the clues are there every day. And when you read the Bible every day, you don't read it every day to make God happy with you. You read it because he speaks to you. And you open up and you love to hear what he's saying to you today because it's the next step just for today. You only have to get through what he's asking you to do today. And you finish that day well and you get up and you, or not well and you deal with that and you start the next day again. That's what he's calling you to do because there is something very important in the process. It's that God is calling you to something and I think if you don't know, like those wise men knew that what they knew the star and they saw the star and they followed it. They didn't exactly know where it was taking them to but they just kept their eyes on that and they just kept following it. And if you don't know what to set your sights on, you could get lost along the way. Sometimes when we come to faith in Christ, sometimes it's, we think that God will do what we ask him to do all the time. And when we pray for something and it doesn't happen, we have this rational process that goes in our head that says, well, I asked for this and it didn't happen, therefore God doesn't love me or I don't believe in God. And, and you, you get lost because you didn't have your eye on the right star. So what is the right star to have your eye on so that despite the ups and downs and the disappointments along the way, I'm sure that three to four month journey for the wise men wasn't, um, wasn't 
um, easy, would have had danger, would have had discomfort, but they kept going because they just kept their eye on the star. If they'd taken the eye off, their eyes off the star, just gone by their own rational way of going things, they wouldn't have made it there. So what was that star that they kept their eyes on? Jesus said in John 17 verse 3, Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus, whom, Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Sometimes I think particularly in the West, we've made our faith all about what we get. And when we don't get what we want, we feel disappointed. It's like we come to God and we want him to be our divine servant. And having servants feels really nice because they, they do what you say, they do what you ask them to do. And sometimes that's what we want God to be. And we put our eyes on that. And then when it doesn't work out, we disqualify God. We say, well, you know, he didn't do what I wanted him to do. We don't normally say it like that, but that's really what we mean. But when you look at the scriptures, like Jesus is saying here, eternal life is not something that happens when you die. Eternal life starts now. Eternal life is a quality of life. It's real life and it fills you with joy and hope and peace and it gives you an identity. And when you discover this, you're actually discovering a person. It says eternal life is to know you. Jesus says, he says to the Father, eternal life is to know you and to know Jesus. Eternal life is actually knowing God. And sometimes we have thought of our faith as what we get, but it's actually about who you know. And sometimes we think of our faith as what we do, but it's actually about who you are becoming. You'll know that you think of your faith as what you do when you say things like, I've done all these things and then this is what happened. That tells you that you did something to earn a reward from God. I'm sure all of us have said that. I've said that. God, why did you let this happen? I've done this and this and this. So therefore it was a transactional relationship. But our faith in Christ is actually a knowledge. It's a knowledge of him. Eternal life is to know him. And if you set your sights on that, on knowing him is the, is the whole thing, and then becoming like him, then you understand what this star is that you're keeping your eyes on. You see, these wise men were going to meet the baby Jesus. They're going to meet God in the flesh, and God is love. So they're going to meet God who is love in the flesh. That's what they were doing. And they didn't come to get anything. They actually came to give. They came, they gave up their time, they gave up their comfort and they came with gold and frankincense. And they came with very expensive gifts and they came to give. And if we miss out what our faith is all about, then we will get lost along the way. And if you're feeling lost along the way tonight, it might be because you're following the wrong star. So if it's to get to know him, to really, really know him, you've got to know who he is. You've got to know who God is, what his character is, what his nature is, so that you'll actually get to know him. Because sometimes we've had ideas put in our hearts and minds through life that give us a wrong picture of who God is. You think of him as angry and cruel and harsh. So you have to really know who he is. And sometimes you hear stories about people and um, then you get to know them and you find out they were heaps nicer than people said. I actually had someone say that to me once. They said, oh, you're heaps nicer than people have said you were. I think that was a compliment. I'm not sure that that helped my self-worth, but anyway. I got over it. Maybe I'm still telling the story. Happened a long time ago. Exodus 34, verses 6 to 7, is the story of when um, Moses encounters God. And it says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming. Now this is God talking about himself. 
God saying who he is. And he says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. This is God describing himself. So if you're on this journey of faith and you want to know what is the star that I'm following, it's this. It's this picture of God that he describes of himself. And just listen to it again and see if this is the God that you are seeking. This is the God you're keeping your eyes on. The Lord who is compassionate. He's full of compassion for you with whatever you're going through. He's full of compassion for you. Compassion comes from two Latin words, meaning com, meaning with, and passion, meaning feeling. So it means to feel with you. You are not alone. He is feeling with you. He is gracious. He's full of grace towards you. He's slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness because he is love and he is faithful. And faithful means he will never, ever fail you. He maintains love to thousands and he forgives wickedness, rebellion and sin. That is the God. You've got to keep your eyes on that. Now what happens in life when you're going on this journey is that things happen and you think, no, I don't think God is like that. So it's like this optical illusion. Have a look at, at this one where you've got two yellow lines there and those yellow lines are actually the same size but they look different. And they look different because of the railway tracks behind them, which makes the top one look a bit longer than the bottom one. And often it's like that in life with God. It depends on the context. If you move the context, if you move the railway tracks, they would look exactly the same. And sometimes in your life, this is what happens. You go through circumstances and you've been believing. You've got this God who's compassionate and loving and unfailing in his mercy towards you but then you hit a set of circumstances and it doesn't line up and you've got to choose which you believe. Do you believe in the compassion and the love of God or do you believe in what's happening now and if you believe in what's happening now whatever you're following is going to change every day of your life. What you've got to do is set your eyes on the truth. It says in, in 1 John 4 God is love and that there's no fear in love. And you've just got to set your mind on that. There's been so many times in my life where it hasn't felt like that and it hasn't looked like that. But I've got to go beyond how I feel and beyond what I see to what I know is the bedrock truth. And you hang on to that and that's how you are led along in the journey and that's how you're transformed from the inside out as you hang on to that. Or if you look at this next illusion where you have the moon and uh, when it's rising, it always looks bigger for some reason. Someone will probably come up later and tell me why it looks bigger and that's good. But the point is, (laughs) the point is that the moon actually never changed size. And sometimes in your life, God seems really close and sometimes he feels really distant, but he actually never changed. It was the things that you were going through made it look like he was changing. And so what you have to do to choose in life is to go by all the shifting sands of life and just go this way and this way and this way or look at this bedrock truth and follow it. And what will happen as you follow it, it will be a journey. That's why I believe we had these wise men going on this massive journey because you too are on a massive journey which has a beautiful finish if you keep your eye on the star. And the thing that will happen is that you will be transformed because the aim of your faith is to know him and it's not about what you get but who you know and it's not about what you do but who you are becoming. It's who you are becoming that makes all the difference. Sometimes you think The object of your faith is all your answers to prayer and you will get answers to prayer. God does answer our prayers. 
But knowing him and becoming like him are the main, the main objects of our faith. Because Jesus said that everything is summed up in this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. Because he came into the world to transform the world through his love and he's asking you to become like him so that you can go and transform the world through his love. And in the middle of that, he will give you situations where he needs your grace and your love to, to move in in abundance. That's what he's calling you to do. And the reason that you're here tonight is because you are someone who wants to be transformed to be like Jesus. And as you are transformed to be like Jesus, Colossians 3 gives us a picture, one of the many pictures in the Scriptures, of what you will become like. It says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's you, that's your identity. You are holy and you may think, I'm not holy. But you, when you put your faith in Jesus, he washes your sins away and he makes you holy and you are dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Now when you read that, you may think, well, I'm not exactly like that. But look, let's look at it another way. If you have gone even one minute on your relationship with Jesus, he has begun this transformative work in your life. And as I read this again, I want you to think of aspects of you that you, are, you see are like this. And you will see that you have grown like this. You won't be perfect at it, but you might look and think, actually, do you know what? I am kinder than I used to be. I'm actually more humble than I used to be. That might sound proud saying that, but it's not. You can actually see I'm not as full of myself. I don't need people to tell me great things about myself. I'm more gentle and I'm more patient. And actually, forgiveness is just a piece of cake to me now. In fact, I say, bring it on, God. No one says that, no. But when forgiveness gets really simple, you know that you have the love of God in your heart in profound measures because Jesus hung on the cross, nails in his hands and feet and says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He'd risen right above the circumstances and saw the people who desperately needed to be loved and that's what he poured out upon them. So as I, as I read it again, I just want to think, you to think about you and be grateful for the things that God's already done in your life that's making you more like him. Firstly, you are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You are compassionate and kind, humble and gentle and patient. You bear with each other and you forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. You forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues you put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. You let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and you are thankful. Do you know, I think that's in all of us, in all of you. As I look here tonight, don't know all of you, but the fact that you are here would say that that's, that's what you're on the journey to be like. And if you follow Jesus for any time at all, you will see that happening in you, not because you're trying harder, but because of an extraordinary thing that I read in that passage from Luke when Jesus said, ask and keep on asking, this is what you get. He said, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is powerful, but he's not a power. He is a person. 
And when you ask the Holy Spirit to come into you, you are filled with the person of God and those attributes are the attributes of God and they fill you. So our journey as we go along this life together and we're asking God to do things and we're seeking wisdom and we're knocking on doors, you're actually, when when he doesn't answer your prayer straight away or when the door doesn't open straight away, you don't get the wisdom you wanted straight away, you're on this journey and you come back to him and you ask him, how are you transforming me in this? What do you want me to do in this situation? He'll ask you to surrender and he'll fill you more with his Holy Spirit and you become more like him. And that's the ultimate goal of your faith is to know him and to become like him. And then all the other things flow. It's, that's written all through the scriptures. For instance, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. You just know him and you love him and you fill with the spirit and you become like him. The Apostle Paul, who was a man who really rebelled against God, rebelled against Jesus and had a profound encounter of him and gave the rest of his life to serving him and knowing him and becoming like him, wrote this, Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. And you and I are the same. We sit here tonight and we can say along with him, I haven't already attained this and I know I'm not already perfect, but I do press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Sometimes we try to drag into our present and into our future our past sins that God forgave a long time ago and as it says in the scriptures, he forgets, but we want to drag them in. Sometimes we want to drag our past grievances, our past hurts, our past failures Sometimes we want to drag in our past successes and hang on to them as our identity. And he's saying, forget it all and strain toward what lies ahead. Press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will will reveal that also to you. See how calm he is about that? Sometimes we can get in such debates and try to prove and force people to see it like this and all you have to do is set your eye on the star and encourage each other to do that and God will reveal his truth to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So what have you attained tonight? Where have you come? What what did you used to be like and what are you like now? And hang on to that. Don't let that be taken away from you. And then keep your eye on that star of knowing God and being transformed to become like him and go on that journey as those wise men did. And just to finish off, you know, you look at these wise men and we call them wise men or kings, but they're actually magi. They're actually magicians and sorcerers. It's funny, they weren't people that the Jewish people would have thought would have been some of the first people to come and acknowledge Jesus as king. They came from a long, long way away. They weren't followers of God, but they were people who were really seeking. And it says in uh, Isaiah 60, it was predicted that these guys would come and it was even predicted what they would bring with them. This was written hundreds of years before where it says, Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. They shall bring gold and frankincense. How amazing it says that. Hundreds of years, they'll bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves. We say, God wouldn't want me, but God loves you, just like he loved these kings and he called them from afar and they came with their precious treasures. Or sometimes we disqualify others. 
you think of inviting someone or sharing some your faith with them or telling them about a God who loves you but you think, oh, they wouldn't be interested and you've already disqualified them before they had an opportunity because every person on the planet actually has a heart that's longing to know Jesus, whether they understand it or not. We are created for a relationship with the God who loves us. And so tonight we're going to pray together and I'm going to invite you to consider you and who you are becoming most of all who you know and who you are becoming because as you become like him, you have the privilege of bringing his love into a world that so desperately needs his love. His love is healing. As we know him more, he heals us by his love and as we are filled with his love, we bring healing to other people. And so I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer and uh, just one little bit to say out loud. It's um, from one of the earliest recorded prayers of the church, the Aramaic word Maranatha, which really literally means, come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. The Latin word adventus means the same thing, come, and we're currently in the season of Advent. Advent is a season of waiting and wanting, looking and longing, inviting Christ to come once more into our lives and into our world. So say this, out, say this prayer, say, firstly, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Will you just say that out loud? Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Just close your eyes and just say that over in your mind and your heart. Just a moment. Give yourself to him. Say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And as we continue to pray, We'll stop and say that out loud together. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. There's something profound when we pray out loud together. Turn your attention now to focus on your own heart. You may become aware of thoughts, of words or deeds in your life which are not pleasing to God or life-giving to you and to others. Simply acknowledge them now before the Lord and pray for your own life. And let's pray this together. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And now turn your thoughts to think of someone who needs Christ's love today. Name them before the Lord and pray for them. Let's pray together. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus and just bring that person to the Lord or people. And next, think about our own church family, the many activities we've planned for this Christmas including our Christmas production for our city and for our region. And let's pray together again. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Just lift that up to the Lord. Way back in the 12th century, Bernard of Clairvaux, who was the founder of the Cistercian Order of Monks, said that Christ comes to us in three different ways. Firstly, in Bethlehem at Christmas. Secondly, at the end of the age. And thirdly, in the lives of believers every single day. 
So we're going to pray for all three of Christ's comings this Advent. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you sent your Son to save us. And we pray together. Maranatha, may Jesus be born again amongst us this Christmas. Thank you, Jesus, that you came before and you're coming again in glory. And we pray together, Maranatha, we long for you to return and make all things new. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling my life. And we pray together, Maranatha, may the Lord Jesus Christ be born again in me today. And let's all stand together. We have this beautiful Sabbath blessing that we can pray together. And I invite you all to, if you would like to, to pray it out loud as we're praying it corporately. It's like a surrender to God where we invite Him into our hearts, into our homes, into our lives. Let's pray. May this day bring Sabbath rest to my heart and my home. May my peace and perspective be renewed in the busyness of this season. May my hand be free enough from spending and acquiring to receive your gift. May a little of the wonder and magic of Christmas awaken the child within me today. And may God's word feed me and his spirit lead me into the week and into the life to come. Amen. joining us by podcast thank you so much for joining us today take some time now to consider what really stood out to you in that message god has been speaking to you and what is it that he said to you if you're in the room with someone else turn and share with them what stood out to you and i say to them how can i pray for you share with them something that you love about god and something that you're thankful for this week or phone someone and ask them those questions what do you love about god What are you thankful for this week and how can I pray for you? Bless you and have a great week.